The following is a Pro Football Network podcast, the primary voice for pro football at profootballnetwork.com. Welcome back, everybody, to Between the Hashes. I'm Ian Cummings filling in for Cam Meller. Tony, there's snow on the ground. It's a Christmas movie Hallmark season. I'm not so thrilled about that. I am thrilled about, though, it's the height of college football season. We got the uh, playoffs. We got bowl games. Then NFL draft season, man. I know you live for it. I live for it. How are you doing as we kind of ramp up into the January, February months? I'm okay, but we have snow on the ground here in New York. I'm going to disagree with you. I, I enjoy kind of watching the uh, Christmas movies on TV. It gives me a break uh, between uh, watching uh, reels and reels of game film to, uh, you know, kind of take uh, take a breather and relax. So, uh, I, yeah. I, in fact, I was watching, I believe, uh, Disney's The Santa Claus was on behind me as I was prepping for the show, so... I love that. You know, you know, you got to get into the season a little bit. You know, you get footballed out watching tape all the time, man. It's crazy. You think being a football fan, like you could just eat it up, but there is a limit. You got to take a little breather sometimes. But before we get going into the topics real quick, I know the college football playoff uh, selection committee, they got the teams picked out. We got Alabama and Cincy playing each other, Georgia and Michigan. Real quick, anything stand out to you in those matchups? And then we'll get on to the topics. No, not really, except the fact that Georgia kind of folded. And if you watch that SEC title game, which we won't really be talking about during the show is, I mean, it was a situation where you had a Bryce Young, who's going to be a franchise quarterback at the next level, versus the Georgia quarterback, who's a game manager, who you hope doesn't have to win games for you. And when Georgia was put into a situation where their quarterback had to step up and really win the game for him, he folded like a cheap suit. So. Georgia's got uh, Georgia's got a lot of work. I think that surprised a lot of people, including myself, because I thought Georgia was going to be out for blood uh, after you know some past performances in the SEC title game, which they blew in late uh, late lead to uh, Alabama, as well as the national title game, which a lot of people thought they should have won, but they blew a fourth quarter lead there, and they just got hammered from the get go by the uh, by the Crimson Tide. Yeah, for sure. And this was like their best chance to prove, like, hey, we're actually legit this year. We can actually take them and. But it turns out they played an actual offense and it didn't go so well. And, you know, when you don't have the offense to keep up, obviously that's going to put you in a bit of a, of a bind. So interesting, interesting storylines to watch there. But let's get on to uh, our topics today. First off, you and Tony or you and Cam, my bad, you and Cam last week, you previewed the uh, Sunbelt Championship game and the Pac-12 Championship game. Uh, let's start with the Sunbelt, Louisiana and App State. Obviously, the Raging Cajuns, with Billy Napier and kind of his last hurrah, they came out on top. Uh, I was impressed by the guys in the trenches. Zion Hill, Taylor Humphrey, they showed some things. Max, Max Mitchell, a senior bowl guy. But the matchup that you were watching was on the secondary for Louisiana versus the App State wide receivers. Obviously, you got Makai Gardner, Percy Butler, Braylon Trayon going up against Corey Sutton, Thomas Hennigan, Malik Williams. Uh, you were watching that one closely. I know it. Uh, what did you take away from that one? Yeah, I mean, Louisiana shut them down. I think, yeah. uh, you know, Appalachian State's got four really good receivers that are going to be playing on Sunday. If they're not playing on Sunday, they will be in NFL camps one form or another. And they, they were shut down. I think there's, what, 12 receptions the entire game. Chase Bryce was 12 of 30 for 199 yards. Yep. Uh, Garner and, and Butler really shut down what is usually a lethal aerial game uh, for Appalachian State, though they do have a good running back there. They do have a good running game. Uh, I, I, Percy Butler was very active. I think Makai Garner, the stats don't tell the story, but he was really challenged because he, he completely had his uh, his man shut down. The other guy that's making a name for himself is uh, Chauncey Maddock, uh, sort of a situational pass rusher. We used to call him a tweener back in the day where he doesn't have the size for defensive end, doesn't have the speed for linebacker, goes about 6'3", 250 pounds, runs and plays in the four nines. But he's constantly making plays behind the line of scrimmage. Ten and a half sacks this year, 14 and a half tackles for loss, had another big game 
in that Sun Belt Championship. So I think it's uh, he's not uh, maybe he gets invited to an NFLPA game or a lower level game like that. Don't think he gets combine invite, but he's someone that teams are going to send to work out when Louisiana has their pro day prior to the draft next March. Uh, he's had a really good year. Yeah, and you look at those guys, kind of those tweeners, not quite big enough for those full-time edge rules, but, you know, can be a situational pass rusher, a high-motor guy who could be a valuable addition to a, a camp roster, you know, give him a chance to kind of show something. I like that for sure. I like that for sure. Uh, Makai Gardner, real quick, I mean, you mentioned he's a day two potentially, uh, potentially leaving Louisiana, going to uh, Florida with Billy Napier. Uh, yeah, so he showed something. He showed something. You think uh, that he – made enough plays or you think that he's got something some work to do in florida to kind of improve his game to take his stock to the next level well he didn't make too many plays but they weren't thrown in his direction and they don't throw in his direction because they know he's going to make a play and and that's Mm -hmm. what happens with gardner he's got size he's got speed needs to brush his uh uh brush his uh, techniques off now you know i was told that even though he's getting second day some second day grades from scouts he's leaning towards uh returning to school which is uh, some people kind of find strange because he's an older guy. He also, uh, I believe, he has a, he has a son. So I figure, you know, get your uh, get your next level career started, get yeah. those, those that money coming in. But you know, he may not be ready for the NFL, and if he's not, it takes a lot of courage to say, "Listen, I'm going to stay one more year in college." And the word is, Napier is going to try and coax him to come to Florida. Which I think, if he goes to Florida and he improves upon what has been a terrific 2021 campaign. We're not going to be talking about Mackay Garner as a uh, day two pick for the 2023 draft. We could well be talking about him as a first round choice. Yeah, that's exciting. And you watch him play. He's definitely bigger. He's definitely athletic. So he has the tools and maybe a year at Florida could help him kind of refine his game and take that next step. So going to be exciting to see. Let's move on to the next conference championship game that we had talking about the Pac-12. It was the Utah-Oregon rematch. And uh, it wasn't much of a rematch, right? You said Utah was rolling, heading into it, and uh, they won 38-10. They crushed them. And uh, the guy that you were telling us to watch was Devin Lloyd. I mean, you know, no story there. I mean, he's just been phenomenal all year, producing at every level. And he had that pick six where he read it perfectly, broke on the ball, and returned it all the way. But he's also flying around in the box, man. I I was impressed by his performance. I imagine you were too. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, what? it wasn't much of a rematch, but it was a lot of a repeat because that first game, Utah steamrolled over Oregon, uh, you really from the get-go, and that's what we saw. And, you know, you mentioned the college football playoffs. It's too bad Utah lost those games early in the season or they probably would have been one of the top four teams because you can make the argument that right now they're playing just about as good as any of those four teams in the college football playoffs. They just have two losses and they're not in. But, you know, uh, Devin Lloyd is a guy who came into the season – graded as early as a mid-first-round pick by scouts, graded as late as a seventh-rounder. Bypass the uh, 2021 draft where he probably would have been a day-two pick. Like you said, you know, had that interception interception return for a touchdown. I believe he finished with seven tackles, five of them in the first half when the game really meant something. The second half, uh, the, the game was basically over. Athletic, explosive. Oh, yeah, and by the way, he's got eight sacks this year and I believe 22 tackles for loss. So he can make plays behind the line of scrimmage. He doesn't have great size, but he's very athletic. He's very explosive. He's very sudden. And I think right now you're looking at a guy that's going to go in the bottom half of round one, a true three-down linebacker. I mean, a guy who makes plays against the run up the field or in pursuit, someone who can rush the passer. And a terrific guy in coverage, gets great depth on his pass drops, covers a lot of area on the field, plays heads-up football. You know, talked about Makai Garner. You know, is he making the right choice going back to school, which he seems is the way he's leaning? 
obviously it's worked out for Devin Lloyd because Devin Lloyd, I believe, has really affirmed himself as one of the best pure linebackers in this year's uh, draft class. And I think he's going to come off the board much earlier than people project. Yeah, he's a fun player. You know, I, I love not just the coverage ability, the run stopping, but also he's a good pass rusher too. You know, he can provide utility there. So like you said, seven to eight sacks. I mean, he's been productive in every phase. And like you said, going when you think you have room to improve, going back and betting on yourself is a very good decision to make. And I feel like that's a good transition to our next topic. We've got some draft news to go into now. Kenny Pickett, another guy who made that decision, bet on himself. He was getting some day three grades last year, decided to go back and try and bet on himself and improve his stock. And it's safe to say it's gone pretty well. He's a Heisman finalist. He's been very productive for that pit offense. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of talk about him being maybe the, the first quarterback off the board. Is that what you're hearing? And uh, we'll go we'll go into that. But then also there's something that might keep him from from becoming that. And uh, it's it's something that we haven't really seen. It's kind of uncharted territory. But first off, draft stock, just pure draft stock. What are you hearing with Kenny Pickett? Yeah, you know, as I said a couple of weeks ago with Cam, the overall belief in the league is he'll be the first quarterback drafted. He probably will be a first-round pick, but he's really a third-round prospect. And he'll be a first-round pick and a first quarterback drafted only because of the need at the position. So uh, I don't know if Matt Corral surpasses him. I don't think he does. But everything right now looks like Kenny Pickett will be the first quarterback drafted. As we talked about last week, you know, if he goes to the Senior Bowl and has a good week of practices at the Senior Bowl because the Senior Bowl is a kingmaker at a lot of positions, most importantly, the quarterback position. Carson Wentz is the world, David Carr is the world, Carson Palmer is the world, on and on and on. Philip Rivers, guys who went there as day two picks, fringe late first rounders, had three great days of practice and just skyrocketed up draft boards. That's the opportunity that that is in front of Kenny Pickett, and I hope he uh, you know he takes hold hold of it. As far as his hands are concerned, you know we've been talking on this podcast literally since October. When it comes to measurements, some people kind of don't pay attention, although you want your offensive linemen to have, especially your offensive tackles, to have longer arms, more than 33 and a half inches, 34-inch arms. You want your quarterback to have nine-inch hands. Now, I've been told time and time again from scouts, when Kenny Pickett's hands were measured, they were slightly over eight inches, which would be a red flag. But there's a caveat. There's a curveball to this, and I've heard, I've uh, verified this with a number of people. Kenny Pickett evidently has a double-jointed thumb on his throwing hand. Somebody said to me, yeah, if you ever meet Kenny Pickett and you shake your hand, the thumb seems all out of whack because it comes out sideways. It doesn't go straight up. And what that double-jointed thumb does is it makes it easier for him to grip the football. So I've talked to a couple of people that say, yeah, you know, if his hands are under nine inches, but this double-jointed thumb is working to his advantage to, to, uh, to basically grip the football, you know, some teams who really like Kenny Pickett, who want to take him early on, may overlook the fact that his hands measure under nine in- inches because this mal- malformity, if, you, if that's what you want to call it, or deformity, I should say, if you want to call it, of the double joint joint thumb, is actually going to help him to his advantage. Now, what they'll do is they'll put the ball in his hand, and they will try and beat it out of his hand to see if he can grip the football. Um, but what I'm hearing is, from a lot of people, they believe that this double jointed thumb on Kenny Pickett's throwing hand uh, is actually going to work to his advantage and may offset the concerns about small hand size. Here I was Here thinking I was, about, you know, no, just over just eight inch hands being yeah. something we hadn't seen before. Now we got a guy with double jointed thumbs like that. This is uncharted territory and then some. But I mean, you talk about it, you know, like you said, you know, they're going to put the ball in his hands. Senior Bowl, they use NFL footballs, which can run a little bit bigger than college footballs. So that'll be the big test for him because you look at him on the field. 
you know, he's a great athlete. He's got a decent arm. He can throw off platform, go off script. He's a tough competitor and he's made strides mentally. You know, he checks all the boxes. If the hand size checks out, it'll be interesting to see. But uh, I, I'm going to be holding on for every step of the way because uh, this quarterback class, man, it's just you can't look away for better or worse. It, it's it's a weaker class, a very uncertain class. But, uh, you know, if you can answer that question, it'll it'll kind of create some security for teams, I think. Moving on to the next one, uh, we got Alabama, a lot of underclassmen to get some get some news on. First off, we got John Mechie, unfortunately, tore his ACL against Georgia. Uh, it was a very productive, very strong prospect, but that kind of complicates his outlook a little bit. What are you hearing about him right now? Everyone I talked to, including myself, had John Mechie graded as a first-round pick going into that Georgia game. Goes down with the torn ACL. I'm hearing two things. If it's a clean tear – and clean tear, I guess, is subjective as to the doctor that's looking at the MRI. If it's a clean tear, <clears throat> he will still go in the second round. And I'm told he's still very much leaning towards entering the draft. So there are two components there. Does Mechie enter the draft? I'm told yes. And what the doctors see when they look at the MRI? Because if it's a clean tear, there's a good chance that he'll be back uh, in some form or another before the 2022 season starts. So those are two things to consider. I hear Mechie's... Uh, very is heavily leaning towards entering the draft would have been a first round pick still could potentially be a second round pick depending on the diagnosis and the tear of that ACL. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. Cause like the tape speaks for itself, right? He's a great player. It's just a matter of is his immediate availability as an NFL player going to be impacted. So if it, if it isn't, then, you know, you can take a risk on him and hope that he's ready to go. But uh, if he's not, maybe, maybe go back and, and try and get healthy and then kind of recoup that value next year. So it'll be interesting to see next up, we go to the defensive side of the ball. We've got Jordan battle. Uh, he was a highly rated safety before the season. Some people had him in their top five safeties. Uh, he's had a little bit of an up and down year, but he's produced on the football, had that pick six against Stetson Bennett. What are you hearing about him right now? Heavily leaning towards entering the draft. You know, kind of fall, the, the safety position is top heavy. There's not a lot of depth there. Uh, I think Mechie, uh, I'm sorry, uh, the battle will add some depth if he enters the draft. And I'm told very likely uh, he will enter the draft. What happens with the Alabama kids is they're in the playoffs. They're in the the, uh, the title game, and then the week after the title game, they all make their announcements. Uh, but I'm here right now. Mechie, very high, very expected to enter the draft. Jordan Battle also likely uh, leaning towards entering the draft, or likely to enter draft, leaning towards entering the draft, I should say. Yeah, Alabama has a conveyor belt of defensive backs. I mean, it's just been a factory for a long time. You look at Battle, he definitely looks the part, 6'1", 2'10", around there. You know, he shows good route recognition. He can break on those passes. So we'll see, but he's definitely got some upside and. You know, I, I wouldn't blame him. You know, he's been productive enough where a team might be willing to kind of take that chance and invest in him. So that's a good one. Staying in the Alabama secondary, DeMarco Hellams, another guy, kind of the similar size around 6'1", 208, listed by, like that on the site. Uh, he can dish out some heavy hits, man. He's got three interceptions, two, 74 tackles. Uh, he's a junior. What are you hearing about him? Having a real good season. Everyone I talk to think that thinks that Hellams is actually going to return to uh, Alabama for another season. Uh, probably could uh, use another year to really improve his game and, and brush off some of his uh, techniques. Uh, battle, Jordan Battle, uh, the Alabama safety likely to enter. Uh, DeMarco Hellman's, from what I'm hearing, very likely to stay at Alabama at this point in time. All right. Yeah, so we got some duality there. Battle going to the draft. Hellman's probably coming back. Interesting. Always a lot of fun to look at the talent in that group. They got a lot of talent for sure. I mean, you look at the safeties, not just them, but Jalen Armour Davis, Josh Job. 
Brian Branch coming up through the ranks. You got Kool-Aid McKinstry. It's a fun group. It always is fun to keep tabs with the talent in there. But uh, right now, Jordan Battles, the name you want to know, he's entering the draft, very likely to be so. So that's all the uh, Alabama stuff. Let's go on. We got even more draft news. It piles up this time of year, man. I was doing my seven-round mock, and I was half worried that some of the players I put in there were going to, you know, come back as I was writing it. So I'd have to rewrite some parts, you know. But that's just how it is. You got to keep up with it. And uh, we got some updates right here. Kind of casting a wider net. Let's go to the ACC real quick. The Virginia Tech uh, Hokies, they got some nice prospects on that offensive line. You got Lasita Smith. You got Brock Hoffman, who's going to the Shrine game. Smith, the senior bowl guy. Uh, but you've got an update on Luke Tenuta, the offensive tackle. Uh, what's, yeah, what's the latest? I think the other thing that you have to factor in with Virginia Tech is there's a coaching change. And oftentimes yeah. when there's a coaching change, you get a lot of guys who went to the draft or basically leave via transfer, being that it's so easy these days. Uh, Luke Tenuto, who uh, played played in 2000, uh, uh, 2020 on the right side, moved to left tackle this year, had a real good season. Coming into the year, I graded him as a free agent. I'm told Tenuto very likely to enter the draft after the season he's had at left tackle. I don't know that he's anything better than a day three pick, but a tall, uh, law, large or athletic guy who moves relatively well, who, again, is coming off a real good campaign uh, and that's what you want in offensive lineman. You want a guy who's on the upswing, and Tenuto definitely is. Yeah, and you look at offensive linemen with, with uh, the physical tools and the versatility. You know, those are guys that, you know, they have a little bit of security with their stock. And that's something that, you know, teams will take them on day three just for that alone. If they can show they can move around a little bit. So uh, that's going to be interesting to watch. Next up, another offensive lineman going to the Big Ten now. Nebraska, Cameron Jurgens, center. Uh, what's the latest? Again, very likely to enter the draft. Someone told me yesterday he's going to enter the draft. Jurgens is an interesting guy. I mean, off the 2019 film, I had him graded as a day two pick. Had a lot of problems in 2020, a lot of snap problems. I mean, yeah. there was a lot of uh, fumbles between the, between the quarterback and Cameron Jurgens. He's an athletic guy, more of a zone blocking type of in motion type, uh, on blocking motion type of offensive lineman. Gets out to the second level. Not a real mauler in the middle of the line. But if you draft Cameron Jorgens in day three in what is a relatively weak center class, uh, I mean, and he gets back to where he was in 2019 and really builds upon it, you could have a starting center in the NFL. Yeah, and that's interesting, right? I mean, like, you hear about occasional snap issues, right? But when you can actually, like, trace it back to a guy because it's happened so often, it's a little bit of a red flag, right? But he does have the traits. He can, he moves well in space. He'd love to see that. Like you said, more of a zone blocker, but can also move guys. So interesting player, and there's not a lot of depth in the center class. So could be an opportunity for him if a team likes his traits to kind of bank on that. You want to talk about interesting players? Uh, we'll move on to UAB, another interesting guy. Alex Wright, we know UAB had a, another similar guy in Jordan Smith enter the yeah. draft, go to Jacksonville. Uh, they got another pretty interesting guy. Uh, he's pretty tall, pretty lanky, versatile Alex Wright. Uh, I know you've mentioned him before. Uh, what, what's the latest on him now? Yeah, I'm told that he's considering entering the draft. I'm not going to say he's heavily leaning towards it, but it's something, something he's going to look into. He's come off a terrific year, six uh, sacks, eight and a half tackles for loss, 41 tackles, uh, I should say 53 total tackles. And again, he reminds me of Jordan Smith and the way they use Jordan Smith uh, at UAB. Jordan Smith, even though he's listed as a defensive end uh, or played defensive end last year at the Senior Bowl, when you watched him at uh, UAB, he was primarily used in space. He was used as sort of an off-the-ball linebacker, and he did a real good job of it. I mean, very athletic, moved well about the field. He's on the uh, Jaguars active roster, really hasn't played too much. And, and Alex Wright has that same sort of style. It probably goes about six foot six. Goes about 260 pounds, 
And more times than not, UAB is using him in space to make plays, but he can also rush the passer. So Alex Wright, off of a real good 2021 campaign, is at least considering the NFL draft. I'm not going to sit, sit here and tell you that uh, he's leaning heavily towards it, but I, he's definitely uh, poking around to see where he uh, may end up. Yeah, and it's obviously a lot to consider, right? I mean, you think about the draft, you've only got, what, 259 picks, right? So it's, you know, people don't realize how little that is. I mean, it's very easy to go undrafted, and the, and the margin for error between day three guy and an undrafted guy is pretty slim. So you got to weigh your options, but talented player, you know, again, that projected versatility, we saw it help Jordan Smith at the Senior Bowl, could do the same thing for Alex Wright. Now, we talk about projected versatility. I'm just nailing these transitions today, but UCLA, we got a running back, a, a surprise addition potentially. You talk about Casimir Allen. I had not heard of this guy before this, not very often, but he's got some intriguing tools. He ran a 10-4-4, 100-meter dash. He's developed a lot as a receiver this year. Uh, tell me about this guy because this is an interesting name. Well, you're right. I tell you about him. I haven't really watched him all that much on film, but I'm told that he is basically telling people that he's done with college football and he wants to enter the draft. I mean, he's a guy who can be used as a running back. He'd be used as a receiver. He's probably most dangerous as a kick returner, had three touchdowns against USC, one which was a kick returner, which was brought back. So he's basically a situational skill player for the next level mm -hmm. who'll have to earn his wage on special teams, primarily returning punts and kicks, although no one really returns kicks these days in the NFL. But Casimir uh, Allen, from what I'm told, is saying to people, you know, he's done with his college with his college uh, football days or his days of, of football in on the college level and he's ready to make the move to the next level so that could be a surprise entry and, and something that comes out of left field uh which no one really would have considered yeah until they heard it on the show of course yeah exactly if they, if they watched the show they'd be in the loop that's how it always is right i mean every every time going back two months guys i mean get with the loop get with the times tony's got it but casimir allen for sure and we've seen you know every draft it seems there's a guy who comes out of nowhere just purely based on his returning ability. You know, that special team's ability, teams look for that. And if they value it enough, they're going to invest a late-round draft pick in that to get that guy in their locker room, get his abilities on tap. And, you know, Casimir Allen could be a guy to kind of, you know, carry the torch in that respect. So I'm going to be Bill, watching. Bill Belichick. I mean, Bill Belichick yeah. has uh, done that with specialists uh, out of UCLA, I should say. Mm -hmm. uh, drafted guys that people, you know, laughed at uh, when, you know, the day they were selected or, or the weekend that they were selected and they turned out to be real good players. Yeah, exactly. NFL, NFL evaluators and scouts cast a much wider net than the media does sometimes. And so you got to kind of, you can't, you can't leave any stone unturned because, you know, any of these guys, if they have that skill set, there's a potential they're going to get picked. So I've got them in. Now that you've told me, you guys, if you're watching, follow suit. All right. But uh, let's get on some updates now got some updates to uh, go through this is a guy that i'm really intrigued by uh kind of a deep tackle class but uh he's shown some flashes to me on tape he's got good nfl size he seems to move pretty well for his size i mean tulsa redshirt sophomore offensive tackle tyler smith uh, i'm really intrigued to hear what you have to say about this guy uh, what, yeah i mean up? this is a, this is someone that if you read my report my tulsa report back in june i gave him a fourth round grade and uh, we've spoken about him previously with Cam, and I'm told about hey, you know, going back and forth whether or not he was going to enter the draft. I was told it's about 50-50. I'm told from you know people who spoke with him right now, it seems about 90% that Tyler Smith is going to enter the NFL draft. And there are some teams that love him. Love him meaning that he is a day two pick. He's got all the physical skills. It 
tends to get a little bit foggy between the ears at times, which is a major concern. You watch the Cincinnati game, and he was all over the place in the Cincinnati game, and I don't mean in a good way uh, all over the place. Uh, he really struggled in that game. He's got great upside just uh, uh, on the uh, physical end of it, but the mental portion of the game and understanding blocking and blocking angles and body positioning on a consistent basis, if he's ever able to merge that, you've got a starting left tackle uh, on Sunday, which – you know, it's worth its weight in gold. But I'm told Tyler Smith of Tulsa, I'm not going to say it's 100%, but I'm going to say about 90% right now that he's going to enter the draft. I don't think he goes any later than the fourth round, because which is where I graded him coming into the season because teams are telling me, and from what I'm, what I'm hearing from teams, you know, it's all day two with this guy because of his physical abilities. Yeah, and you, and you look at, you know, every year guys bank on that. You know, NFL coaches, they like to think they can develop these guys. And more often than not, you know, the quality that you're getting it from a coaching perspective is higher at the professional level. So, you know, get him in that room, let him learn from these guys. And he's got the traits, like you said, around 6'6", six, six, 330. So a huge guy, definitely has a dense frame and has a violence to his game that I really like. You know, he's definitely physical. He goes after guys. Uh, I, I remember watching him against Houston's David Anini, a smaller edge rusher, but he, he manhandled him. You know, there were some reps where he just moved him like it was nothing right now also sometimes when anemi got him with his first step because his positioning was off right but you know that's something you can teach you can't teach the size the athleticism and he's got all that so you like to think that he can develop it and like you said they're, they're, they're going to bank on the traits so we'll see what happens but he's a fun name if you guys don't know him uh get him on your radar watch some tape he's a fun watch uh, moving on we got an interesting one here going to the quarterback class again caleb elby yeah. western michigan uh he he had an interesting season I was, you know, I, I was impressed by his toughness against teams like Pittsburgh and Michigan. He, he beat Pittsburgh, you know, outdueled Kenny Pickett, which, you know, as we've seen this season, it's hard to do, but also had some rough moments. Uh, finished the season strong against Northern Illinois. Uh, what's the scoop on him? Because I know he's a younger guy, but he does have some talent. What's What are you hearing? He struggled the second half of the, I believe it was the Ball State game. Ball State yeah. ran away with that game. Uh, you know, like Tyler Smith, I'm going to say with Caleb Ellaby, about 90% that he enters the draft is waiting to get a little bit more information. Uh, I think if he enters the draft, he's a definite combine invite, which I'm told is very important to him. He's a guy that, you know, we've been on all season long. I, at one point in time, graded him as a third-round pick. Expecting him to elevate his game throughout the yeah. 2021 season, I don't think he did that. But still, it's a very weak quarterback class. When you got guys like Jaden Daniels who are now going back, I think that's going to make a guy like Caleb Ellaby, who's got tremendous upside. He's a smart quarterback, as well as a, a guy who's got a big arm and can pick up yards with his legs. I like the way he sees the field. I like the way he reads defenses. You know, just does not have a big body of work. Uh, but again, cutting to the chase, a 90% chance Caleb Ellaby uh, enters the NFL draft. I'm sure he gets a combine invite. Gets a lot of uh, pro day, uh, gets a lot of uh, private workouts. You know, could he go fifth round? Possibly. I don't see him anything later than the fourth round. And I think with the right coaching, I think Caleb Bellaby could be one of the steals of the 2022 NFL draft if he eventually enters, which I'm hearing is likely. Yeah, the, the arm definitely pops. I mean, there are reps where, you know, you like to channel your trays through your mechanics, like footwork, right? But, you know, there's some reps where his footwork isn't really great and he still manages to drive the ball downfield in some tight windows. So you like to see that. You hope that if you can refine his mechanics a little bit more, you can get even more of that upside. So it's definitely a, a fun thing for uh, for evaluators. Yeah, he's an accurate quarterback, too. You don't yeah. see a lot of receivers leaving their feet or adjusting backwards to grab passes like you do with other quarterbacks. Uh, there's a lot of good things. 
physical as well as mental with them, which you like to see. Uh, would another year on the college level help them? Yeah, sure. I, I mean, I think another year on the college level could uh, be a big year uh, in 2022 uh, at Western Michigan could push him into the top 45. But, you know, I, I mean, he may just be done with college football, want to get take his career to the next level. Yeah, and, and you got to think, too, it's Western Michigan. So going up against Matt competition, how how much do you think you'll be able to drive your stock up with another year? Like, you're going to be productive, but there are always going to be people kind of knocking that, you know, level of competition and kind of questioning that, and that might dilute it a little bit. But obviously, a talented guy, you know, could elevate with another year. But at the same time, people know the book. You know, people know the book on him. He's got that arm talent. He's got some developmental traits. You know, if he proves he can, you know, he's got the mental stuff to kind of insulate that, too. Uh, and that only helps him even more. So that'll be fun to watch. One more, and then we're going to move on to some bigger names, some high-ticket items. But uh, we got Josh Weil out of Cincinnati, this tight end. Uh, I was a big fan of him before the season. I know you were too. Uh, Athletic guy, a little lighter. Uh, Started off slow, had some really nice moments, but uh, was a little streaky this year. The usage was a little off in Cincinnati. Uh, What's the latest on him? We know it's kind of a deep tight end class. Is he thinking about declaring? Well, you know, again, we've we've reported on Weil a couple times on the show. First he was entering, then they thought he was going back to school. Now I, I'm told that he's leaning towards entering. I don't think he's made up his decision yet, made up his mind yet. He's made his decision yet. I think what will happen is he'll go through the process of getting some draft grades. He will uh, play in the playoff game, maybe play in a championship game if uh, Cincinnati is able to win that game, that first uh, quarter, uh, first semifinal game. I, I'm told right now he's leaning towards – he's more like he's wavering back and forth. The latest is, as far as the wavering is concerned, it's more towards the going to enter uh, portion. But there's still a lot to be played out as far as he's concerned. And I agree with you. I mean, I had a third-round grade on him coming into the season. Really wasn't very productive. People point out the fact that his quarterback, Desmond Ritter, just didn't target him that much this year. And why not? I mean, with Alex Pierce catching everything in sight and making some incredible catches, uh, you know, uh, Desmond Ritter is going to continually go back to him. You don't want to come off a year where you've been – less productive than what was expected. And as you said, you know, it's very deep tight end class, especially when you get into that bottom half of round two, really through the third, fourth, and fifth round, not not a very top heavy class, but a lot of good depth. And a guy like Weil, you know, could kind of slip through the cracks when they're watching the likelies and, and some of the other tight ends make play after play on the football field. Yeah, and I imagine the weight too, especially at the tight end position, a position where you kind of need physicality, you know, yeah, that that might be a, a little bit of a sticking point, you know, kind of convince coaches and, and evaluators to take someone else who might have a little bit better size profile, you know, in those late rounds. So it'll be interesting. I think testing would help them a lot, but at the same time, you know, the, the lacking production, you want to sell high as a prospect. And he, we thought he'd get the opportunity to do that this year. And he didn't, you know, so we'll see what happens. But I, you know, looking at the situation, him being on the fence, it, it makes a lot of sense. So one guy who's not on the fence, one guy who has pretty much we've known here at Pro Football Network, we've known he's going to declare for a long time since that October, November range. Drake London obviously had a season ending injury. Uh, but man, this guy, when he was healthy, he was dominant. I mean, he was an absolute target sponge. And uh, it, it, to me, it's no surprise he's declaring. But uh, I guess just give us a little summary here now that he's declaring how high can he go? And, uh, you know, was there really any doubt at any point? No, not at all. I mean, he was the USC offense. We talked. We talked yeah. about it uh, time after time. I mean, <laughs> sixty to seventy percent of uh, uh, Slovis's uh, completions when Slovis was the starting quarterback at USC 
uh, was thanks to a Drake London and Drake London's hands. I, I mean, the ankle injury, you, you got to really hope that he can work out before the draft. You got to hope that he can prove that he's not a Hakeem Butler, Alan Lazard type, where he's just a big, tall receiver who wins out for the contested throws and can't separate the next level. I think he can. I mean, he's very fluid. He's very smooth. He's a solid route runner for a bigger guy. He, you know, he wins out for the contested passes, but he's also separating from defenders. That's going to be the big item. That's going to be the big intangible. If teams think he can separate the next level, not just by physically beating down opponents, but but separating through route routing, through separating through speed, things like that. If he does, you know, he's going to be a top forty-five pick. Could be a late first-round pick. I do think uh, you got to see where he is with that injury and what kind of working out he's able to do uh, before the draft. Yeah, the testing will obviously help whenever you have a size profile like him. Like if you put up even, you know, remotely impressive numbers for that size, it's, you know, it's kind of going to solidify your stock. We, the tape speaks for itself. We say that for a lot of guys. But for London, it's it's especially evident. I mean, if he stayed healthy, he was going to run away with the Billet Knopf Award. I mean, he was going to absolutely run away with it. He was that offense, like you said, you know, has that contested, that elite contested catch ability but also a good route runner, a smooth athlete, and pretty good after the catch too. You know, Not just you know, a physical, brutish guy, but can make guys miss too. So a fun player, and I'm glad he's declaring. You know, I think he just adds to this receiver class. We talk about receivers, uh, another guy that we want to mention, another guy who's declared recently, and another guy who's got that size profile, Traylon Burks out of Arkansas. We, we knew that he was a, a talented player before the season. He came out, he kind of you know, validated it. He had a really productive year in that Arkansas offense. Uh, what's what what are your thoughts on him declaring? I mean, obviously, it looks like he's going to be a potential first round pick. But, you know, how does the class stack around him and, and where does where does he kind of line up right now? Yeah. And another guy that we knew was going to enter the draft because we had I had reported back on the show in, in October. I mean, the thing with Traylon Burks is this. Is he going to be a first round pick if he shows any sort of route running acumen during a combine during pro day workouts? You know, the good things is he's a big guy. He's an athletic guy. You know, he beats the defenders deep. He come, consistently comes up with a big play. The problem is <clears throat> they primarily have him run nine routes. They primarily yeah. have him run deep routes. And you never really see him run a lot of underneath routes, a lot of crossing patterns, a, a lot of NFL types of routes. And he's going to have to show that he can do that uh, in the pre-draft workout process uh, in order to solidify himself as a top 32 pick. You're not going to really be watching the 40 time because the tape speaks for itself. The guy's got decent deep speed, if not real good deep speed, for someone of his size. But, you know, is he seamless in and out of those routes? Does he ha- is, he, is he quick in and out of routes? Does he stay low exiting his routes? You know, how is his footwork in and out of routes? You're going to be watching a lot of that. Uh, you watch, obviously, you're going to be looking at the three cone. How's his change of direction? Because while everybody loves those nine routes and those deep routes, Again, you know, it's a very easy thing to do on a on a Saturday afternoon when you are six foot three, two hundred twenty pounds, and you run in the four fours, the four threes, and you can just oh, uh, just uh, basically overwhelm your competitor or your opponent with your athleticism. But you know what? Everybody's going to be just as fast and athletic as he is when he lines up uh, next to him, uh, across from them, I should say, on Sunday. Yeah, for sure. And you bring up a good point, you know, with uh, with the uh, route running, you know, not being able to separate and create separation on your own is kind of an underrated trait, but it's something you kind of need to take that next step as an NFL receiver. We know the three cone, we know DK Metcalf, that was a big issue with him. Now, he's succeeded with Seattle, but he has another guy in Tyler Lockett to draw some attention sometimes and help him scheme, get into those schemed uh, zones where he can make plays. You know, I think Traylon Burks is a guy, definitely a high level talent. 
but a guy you might need to scheme a little bit for more, you know, even though he's talented, you know, needs to get those underneath passes, needs to get those nine rounds because really he doesn't have anything else in the toolbox. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, you see other guys like Garrett Wilson and Jameson Williams, they can definitely sink in their routes. They can definitely change direction on a dime, stop and start, you know, having that creation ability. It's really an X factor for the receivers. So Traylon Burks, as good as he is, you know, as exciting as he is, the testing is definitely going to help him. Whether he's a first-round pick, that's up for teams to decide if they if they're comfortable using him, if they're comfortable with his potential as a separator and creator. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see. I, I love this receiver class again. Probably not any elite guys like Jamar Chase, but you know, really pretty heavy up top. And it's going to be interesting to see how those guys stack up. We got one more player to a hit, and then we're going to hit some FCS previews. But uh, Brian Asamoa. Oklahoma linebacker. Uh, he declared he's going to the Senior Bowl. I personally am very excited about that. I, you know, every time you watch the Oklahoma defensive line, Perry and Winfrey, Isaiah Thomas, Jalen Redmond, he's always flashing. He's always flying to the ball. He's definitely super athletic. I know you had in his uh, in in the big board earlier this year. You had him as your 20th overall guy. You had him as a top 20, a second round grade. So you've known about the upside for a while. Uh, how are you thinking about his draft stock aspirations right now? Obviously, Devin Lloyd, we talked about him. He's rising up the board. N'Kobe Dean, another guy. Where does Asamoah stack in now that he's officially declared? Yeah, I think he's, he's going to end up as a day-two pick. I mean, he's a traditional linebacker. He's not one of these guys. And he's also a linebacker that you know teams like that you've seen take early in the draft in the past. You know, A smaller, run-and-chase linebacker who quickly gets from point A to point B, whether it be in a straight line or whether it be laterally, gets great depth on his drops and coverage. I, I think he was good this year. I think, like the Oklahoma defense, a lot of us expected them to be great this year, and they really weren't. They uh, they failed to meet expectations. But Asamoah is a, is a fast, explosive guy. He plays with a nasty attitude. Not the biggest guy in the world. I mean, he's not gonna he's not gonna grow three inches. If he did happen to grow three inches, he probably would be a top ten pick. Um, but someone who we originally reported a month ago is gonna enter the draft. I think he ends up as a day two, but could he squeeze in the late part of round one? Yeah, maybe. I don't know that his play really warranted it this year. Yeah. Do you think the athletic testing is going to maybe weigh him up a little bit? Because like he he looks pretty explosive, pretty rangy on tape. Do you think that'll help him? Uh, I mean, I, it should, unless yeah. he disappoints and runs uh, times that are slower than expected. But you know what? He plays fast, and it's not just fast in a straight line. It's fast laterally, and that's what you mm -hmm. want to see. You know, it's a guy who can you know run across the field or run in pursuit, think – and really arrive quickly to the scene to make the play. Yeah, for sure. Not just having that range, but also being able to maintain those angles in the box with your lateral agility. That's also big. So he's a traitsy guy. He's declared now, so we'll get a closer look at him at the Senior Bowl, which is always a good opportunity for linebackers to show they can cover in space against tight ends and go up against running backs and, and blocking drills. So that'll be a fun one. Uh, but we got one more topic here, and then we'll we'll roll it out. We'll let you guys get on your day. But we've got FCS playoffs. we got that kind of rolling out here. A lot of interesting matchups. I am not as well-versed in FCS. I know some guys, but you know them better than I do, so I'll let you take the floor real quick. And I, I will have an article up on, on all the on the prospects in all the games, the quarterfinals this weekend, and you know the cream rises to the top. you got the Big Sky, you got the CAA, and you got the Missouri Valley that are six of the eight teams, and those are the conferences that have really ruled FCS Division I AA the past couple of years. Just going to throw some names out there to watch this weekend. Montana State, Troy Anderson, we spoke about him a couple of weeks ago when Montana played Montana State. He's got incredible measurables, goes about six foot three, 240 pounds, runs and plays in the four sixes. He's explosive up the field. He's great in pursuit. 
not bad in coverage, not outstanding in coverage. You're looking at a fourth-round grade right now with Troy Anderson. Pierre Strong, the big-time running back from South Dakota State, came into the season with fourth-round grades. I have a fifth-rounder on him, a fifth-round grade on him right now. He's a hard interior runner who is also able to turn the corner. And then you got North Dakota State. North Dakota State always has a host of prospects. Most of them are of the mid-day three variety right now. Christian Watson, the big receiver, the guy that makes a lot of plays, a lot of highlight reel type plays, gets down the field, natural pass catcher. I, I have him right now as a fifth-round prospect. I think a lot of his draft stock will depend on how he runs. He runs or he looks and he plays like he's a low 4-5 guy, which is why he's a day three type prospect. Josh Babbitts, the other tight end in North Dakota State, big guy, 6'5", 255 pounds, but a terrific pass catcher, gets down the field. And someone who's making a big move up draft boards or offensive lineman, Cordell Volson, a right tackle prospect. He's big, he's physical, punch in the face, sort of small area lineman, either right tackle, maybe guard, but a lot of teams really like uh, Volson. Came into the season with free agent grades, now you're looking at late fifth, early sixth for Bolson. Nice. And yeah, especially the North Dakota State guys, those are two guys who are going to be at the Shrine Bowl, get another opportunity to showcase their uh, talents in front of NFL scouts. So Watson especially, man, I mean, he's got some crazy highlights. I mean, he's got returning ability at that size. That's always exciting. So it's going to be fun to see those guys in the FCS playoffs. But uh, yeah, guys, that's it for us today on Between the Hashes. Uh, if you want to check out more of our content, always feel free to you know go back to previous episodes, see our receipts. We've been talking about these guys for a while, but also the content on the site, the underclassmen tracker. Check that out. Check out the all-star uh, all-star awards, the uh, all-SEC, all-conference teams. We got new scouting reports coming in every week. We got a mock draft coming up. Uh, it'll be up on Friday, so probably when this gets released. A lot of draft content. I mean, that's just how it is this season. It's NFL draft season. It's uh, the best time of the year. And uh, Tony, very excited to go through with you. And as always, thank you for popping on. Uh, thank you for giving your knowledge. Until next time, guys, peace out.